Will the Chicago Bears keep or trade the number one overall pick? Will they draft Caleb Boyles? Will they trade Justin Fields? We talk about that and so much more coming up next on this episode of Locked On NFL. You are Locked On NFL. Your daily NFL podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On NFL Podcast, your daily NFL podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Ostreicher. I'm the host of Locked On Ravens and one of the many NFL experts here on our network, the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks so much for tuning in today, making Locked On NFL your first listen every day. We're free and available on all podcasting platforms. That includes in video form on YouTube, where you can like and subscribe, or in audio form wherever you get your favorite podcasts on your favorite podcasting platforms such as here on Lockdown NFL so be sure to like subscribe the whole nine yards on the show today's episode of Lockdown NFL is brought to you by FanDuel make every moment more right now new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet it's $150 if your bet wins visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started we're back here we're officially in the offseason the Chiefs won the Super Bowl last week we're now a week plus without football which it's so crazy to think about. We're going to be talking with a lot of our hosts today from the network, biggest stories for the offseason. So first, we'll start off with Lauren Cox of Locked On Bears about where the Bears are leaning towards with the number one pick, some early indications. Should they keep the pick? Should they trade the pick? We'll talk with Lauren about that in the first segment. We'll then move on to the second part of the show with your boy Q of Locked On Raiders about who will be the Raiders quarterback in 2024. Then Dana Wade of Locked On Chargers joins us to talk about Jim Harbaugh. He's the answer and how the Chargers should approach this offseason. So without any further ado, let's first get into our conversation with Lauren Cox of Locked On Bears. Well, the Chicago Bears have another number one pick dilemma in terms of should they keep it or should they trade it? We're, of course, a couple months out from the draft, but the Bears, I'm sure, are thinking about this every single day. And I know someone else is thinking about it every single day. That's Lauren Cox, the host of Locked on Bears. He joins us for an early talk about where the Bears are leading with number one right now. Lauren, I know it's been exhausting already. It'll continue to be exhausting until the actual decision is made with this number one pick. Obviously, there are some talented quarterbacks in this year's draft. Bears already have a talented quarterback in Justin Fields, but there are conversations about should they keep him or should they trade him? Where do you think the Bears are leaning right now in terms of keeping that pick and taking a Caleb Williams or another one of those quarterbacks and trading Justin Fields? Or would they trade the pick and keep Justin Fields? Or would they keep the pick and keep Justin Fields? All signs are pointing to Caleb Williams as the next quarterback for the Chicago Bears and, and Justin Fields than likely being traded to another team. Now, I don't think, as we sit here in mid-February, that's totally 100% set in stone. Yep, we're doing it for sure. Because I think the organization still wants to just really make sure they check all the boxes here and dot all the ties, all the I's and cross all the T's in terms of you know going to the combine, getting the medical checks on Caleb Williams, getting to sit down and do the interviews with Caleb Williams, just to be 100% sure before they, like, yep, for sure, lock it in. But, like... At this point, you know, 95, 99% headed that direction. And then as far as fields go, it just kind of depends on 
what the trade market looks like and whether that's something that could happen, you know, before free agency, you know, before teams have a chance to sign some of these other quarterbacks that are set to hit the open market, or if it's something where you wait for the quarterback carousel to settle and then some team is going to be left without a quarterback and maybe they're going to be the team that comes to Chicago, ups that trade offer a little bit more and gives you the kind of extra draft pick or whatever to put you over the top. It's kind of hard to say at this point which of those is going to happen, what what timeline the quarterback trade is going to happen. But I think they'll decide for sure on Caleb Williams here, probably coming out of the NFL Combine. And then the, the Justin Fields trade talks will really pick up from there. And so that's where the Bears are leading. But for you personally, Lauren, do you feel like it's the right move for Chicago to essentially reset at the quarterback position? Because with Justin Fields, when he's eligible for that contract extension, he is going to get paid regardless of what the what the production has been. Now, how much he'll get paid? Who knows? But with the way the quarterback market has been, it's sure to be some chunk of change. So for the Bears, getting a Caleb Williams in at number one, having that essentially five-year rookie deal reset, do you think that's the right move? Or would you rather give Fields another chance and get another haul of picks and maybe a player like the Bears did last year? I do think it's the right move to draft Caleb and trade Justin, only because you have the number one overall pick like that. That's really what has set this whole off season off is like if the bears were just picking with their original first round pick ninth overall, we're not really having this conversation about do they trade fields and draft a quarterback? Maybe they still draft a quarterback, but it's not, do they trade fields and draft a quarterback? It's see what's there at nine. But because Caleb is that true, like top tier caliber quarterback, and we could debate exactly where you put him compared to other previous number one overall pick quarterbacks. But to me, he's, he's the guy who gives you a shot at getting that, you know, that caliber of a Joe Burrow, a Josh, a Josh Allen, everyone says Patrick Mahomes, but that's probably a little bit too far to even reach at this point. But that kind of quarterback to where you feel like you're always in the game, something that's truly, truly special. And as much as I like Justin Fields and think he can still be a, a quality NFL starting caliber quarterback in Chicago or somewhere else, the opportunity to get that next level of difference maker at quarterback is too valuable that you can't pass that up really again with back to back years with the number one overall pick and see quarterbacks like CJ Stroud go to the Texans and play well and see Caleb Williams or whoever go to other teams and play well and be sitting here still wondering for sure if Justin Fields is the franchise guy. Like Caleb Williams is not a sure thing. Justin Fields is not a sure thing either, but you got to take a swing for the fences with Caleb and say, hey, we gave Justin Fields a try and we still are left with some doubts here. Let's give it another go with Caleb and, and go through this process again. And you you need to be all in on your guy. And if there are still some doubts there in Chicago, I think it is the right move to reset there. Plus you're going to get value from fields in a trade. If you move on from him, it's not like fields is going for a seventh round pick or anything like that. You will still get value, whether you move the number one pick or you move Justin Fields, but Lauren, the bears did make a couple of other moves over the course of this past week, releasing two veterans and Eddie Jackson and Cody Whitehair, both guys who I think can still contribute to an NFL team, but obviously it just was not, the right timing in Chicago. I know some injuries were a factor for Eddie Jackson in particular. Why did the Bears move on from those guys, and how do you anticipate them trying to replace them? Yeah, it was a rough week for obscure 2018 Pro Bowlers, you know, because Mitch Trubisky <laughs> as well from that Pro Bowl team released from the Steelers. But, no, both of those guys were much more salary cap moves than anything else. Eddie Jackson was going to cost close to $18 million on the salary cap in 2024. And Cody Whitehair was around, I think, 12 in terms of the full cap hit. Releasing the two of them saved them over $20 million in salary cap space. And neither one was playing up to the caliber of player that they were earlier in their careers and certainly not that the dollar amounts suggested they would be worth. Eddie Jackson, I think, can still be a starting caliber safety in the NFL, just not a $18 million safety 
in the NFL, but he too has had a lot of injuries. Like you mentioned, missed five or six games during the middle of this season and has just been kind of nicked and bruised every year for the last couple of years. He's still been really valuable as a veteran on that back end. And he's not been bad by any means. His is just a, a dollar valuation thing. Cody Whitehair, on the other hand, was benched about halfway, I think 11 games through this past season and kind of spent the rest of the year on the bench. So obviously they weren't going to bring back a backup offensive lineman at a $12 million a year valuation. And his play had kind of dropped off a bit. I don't know if maybe the, the scheme under Luke Getzi wasn't quite ideal for him, but it also just seemed like uncharacteristic inconsistency from Cody Whitehair. He's a guy who had been so solid for so much of his Bears career, but they always moved him around from left guard to center and right guard back to center or back to left guard. It'd be nice to like, get him back somewhere we can just sit at one spot and be that sort of veteran leader on an offensive line. I think he can contribute somewhere else, but I'm a little more weary of his level of play compared to Eddie, who I think could still be a, a higher end contributor for somebody. Right. And with those moves, again, you clear up some money there for Chicago and they're at what 60 plus million in cap space right now, Lauren. So they have plenty of avenues in free agency to go and hand out some contracts to guys who could maybe be a part of this teams, whether it be short term or long term future. Obviously the number one pick in the draft is where, Bears fans are looking, but for agency is still a big opportunity. How do you want to see the Bears attack for agency? What positions and maybe a couple of players they have in mind here? Yeah, the priority is going to be in the pass rush when it comes to free agency, at least. Can you go out and get uh, a running mate for Montez Sweat on the other side of him and or an interior defensive pass rusher to kind of give you that inside out threat? The Bears could really use both. And obviously you can't sign, you know, Chris Jones and Josh Allen or Chris Jones and Brian Burns, probably not realistic to land all of the big fish at all at once and probably not a great team building strategy, but if you can go out and get a pass rusher, they've been connected to Daniel Hunter from the Vikings. Also they hired the bills defensive line coach as their defensive coordinator. So any and all bills, defensive free agents are instant targets for the Chicago bears and a number of defensive linemen from that crop coming over. I'd expect a few of them to be in the mix, but bears also need to replace Eddie Jackson at free safety and Cody Whitehair at center. So they, you know, they created cap space, but also created spots where they're going to need to replace guys anyway and, and create new holes with that. Plus, probably a number two receiver and maybe some more depth at tight end as well. So I think it'll be a busy free agency, but I'm not expecting a bunch of big splashes. I think they're going to kind of be judicious here and go after some big names, but set a price limit and say, okay, we're not going to spend, we're not going to go crazy and outbid everybody for these guys. But if someone will come at a reasonable price, they'll take a couple pass rushers, a couple pass catchers and a couple extra depth pieces. I think they'll have a nice, like a breadth of free agency, but maybe not like a bunch of big time splashes. Lawrence great. And for more on the Bears and Lawrence work, check them out over the Locked On Bears podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Coming up for the second part of the show, we'll be talking about the Las Vegas Raiders with the award queue of Locked On Raiders, getting into who their quarterback will be in 2024. Stay tuned, a lot to get to on Locked On NFL. First, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. You can get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with winning $5 bet. It's $150 if your bet wins. And I know the NFL season's over, but the NBA, it's in full swing right now. The All-Star game happened last night. You can bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same game, parlays, exclusive props, and a lot more. I'm a big Never Nuggets guy, so if you're betting Nikola Jokic on FanDuel, any overs or putting him with parlays in there going over at it's a safe bet over on Fando. Visit Fando.com slash locked on. Shoot your shot. Fando official sports book partner of the NBA. We're back to our second segment, Lockdown NFL. Kevin Oshaker still talking with you here on this Monday. We talk with Lauren Cox of Lockdown Bears about the number one overall pick. But now we're going to get into a conversation with your boy Q of Locked On Raiders about who the Raiders quarterback will be in 2024. The news is Jimmy Garoppolo is not reporting back to the team, and he's gone. He's cut. So we'll talk with your boy Q about that now. 
The Las Vegas Raiders are going to have a change of quarterback in 2024. That's officially official. Here to talk about that with me, your boy Q of Locked On Raiders. Q, I know the Jimmy G experiment, Jimmy Garoppolo, did not did not go according to plan in Las Vegas in 2023. Then last week we got news that Jimmy G was getting suspended, plus he was not going to be on the Raiders all in one day. So Jimmy G no longer in the Raiders' plans. Can you kind of talk about what the expectations were for Jimmy and what it actually was and just why you don't think it worked out for him in Las Vegas? Well, it was a disaster from the jump. It really was. It was not an idea that I ever thought was a good one. I felt like it was like plan C, and the Raiders ended up going with it anyway. Kind of support the guy because he's the Raiders quarterback. But, I mean, if you go back and think about it, even the day that they were supposed to sign him, the the press conference got pushed back because of a failed physical, right? So, I mean, it never got off to a good start. They restructured his contract because of that. And then he, you know, was rehabbing and it took him a while. He got to training camp, but then he didn't participate every day. And he just never looked like he was supposed to be right. And I don't know what supposed to be was supposed to look like. I mean, I really don't because Jimmy G, we remember him in San Francisco, but we also remember that the 49ers gave up everything to trade up to replace him. So I don't really know exactly what Josh McDaniels and company were expecting when they signed Jimmy G, but it didn't work out. And he eventually gets replaced by a fourth-round rookie and Aiden O'Connell. And Aiden rides it out the rest of the way. And Jimmy comes in for, I think, one snap or two snaps just because of a quick injury to Aiden throughout the, you know, at the end of the season. But that was really it. And then, you know, fast forward, like you mentioned, he's going to get suspended for two games to start the 2024 season. I don't remember the last time a quarterback got suspended for PEDs. Like, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it's just the gift that keeps on giving, really. And then, on top of that, uh, a lot of his salary, about 11-point-something million dollars in his salary – is going to be voided because of the language in the contract. So now the Raiders look at his, his uh, you know, dead cap hit because they were going to release him anyway. So, you know, it's like he was going to have about a $28 million dead cap hit. Now with that $11 million savings, instead of splitting it up between two seasons, they'll probably just take the $17 million, take it one year, and be done with it. So really, Jimmy's, uh, you know, whatever he decided he needed to be PED'd up for, uh, whatever medications it was, therapeutic medications that he had, it gave the, the Raiders a little bit of a uh, cap relief. So he did them a solid. And I don't know what that means for his playing career moving forward, but the, 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 um, I guess the, um, the project that was Jimmy G with the Raiders was a failed one. Yeah. No, no more Jimmy G in Las Vegas. And now oh. you have options if you're Vegas, because you hold a draft pick right now that I think can get you into the top three, but you also have the option to maybe add somebody in free agency. If that's the route you go, where do you think the Raiders are looking at for quarterback? Are they going to go with a long-term answer in the draft? Or do you think maybe it'll be, you know, maybe they make a run on a guy like a Baker Mayfield or Kirk Cousins or someone like that this offseason? I think they do both, to be honest. I think they need to do both. Right now, currently in their roster, in their in their quarterback room, they have Aiden O'Connell, the fourth-round pick out of Purdue, who started nine games to end the season. And they have, well, Jimmy G until they, they release him, which he'll be gone. Brian Hoyer will be gone. I think that they need to go and get a veteran. I think they need to go into the draft and get a, a draft pick as well. So I'm looking at, you know, as far as veterans that are out there, I don't think that the market's really big. I know that, as you mentioned, you know, Kirk Cousins is the guy who's going to be available. He can't be franchised. So there's a good chance that somebody's going to pay him. But I don't think that the Raiders want to pay him Kirk Cousins money. And I don't know what that even looks like, but we all know watching the NFL, Kirk Cousins has done one thing really, really well. And that's made a lot of money. He's made a lot of money in the league. He's got a lot of guaranteed contracts. I don't know what he's he'd want, but I don't think that the Raiders should be in the market to go ahead and spend that money on him, especially because he's 36 years old, coming off a torn Achilles. He wasn't mobile to begin with. He sure isn't mobile now. So I just 
I don't think that that's the direction they should go. Honestly, Kevin, I'll look at a guy like Russell Wilson and say, you know, the, the Broncos got to pay him $39 million regardless, right? So when they let him go, a team like the Raiders, a team like the Falcons, a team like insert any other team that might need a quarterback could pay him the league minimum, the league veteran minimum, and then the Broncos got to pick up the rest. If I'm Russ, and I don't think that Russell's a great quarterback now, but if I'm Russ, I might say, you know what? Let me go to a division rival, a team that's beaten the brakes off the Broncos the last nine games in a row, um, you know, and stick it to my former team and my, my, you know, head coach that got rid of me and Sean Payton and let them be on the bill, basically pay my money in Vegas. I could totally see that happening. Uh, I think that the Raiders need a veteran, though, in the room just to kind of, you know, bridge the gap. Now, the complicated part is the draft. Because Antonio Pierce has a great relationship with Jaden Daniels. That's a guy that he recruited when he was at Arizona State. That was a guy that shouted him out after he won the Heisman Trophy Award. That was a guy that was in the locker room following Week 18's victory over the Denver Broncos. Like, I walked right past Jaden Daniels. He was in the Raiders locker room supporting the Raiders. So, clearly that there's a good relationship there. Problem is, getting him, you're going to have to be in the top three. The Raiders are picking at number 13. So, if you go back and look at what... The 49ers did when they traded up to go get uh, uh, Trey Lance. Uh, they went from 12 to 3. They gave up a couple ones, a couple twos, and some change. The Raiders are going to have to do at least that to get up to the top three. And the question is, is that going to be enough? Because this quarterback class is really deep. So I can see a lot of teams kind of sticking it to any team that wants to, you know, try to move up and, and get that top quarterback. And speaking of Antonio Pierce, it felt like he was the right man for the job the whole time. I know there was speculation about him going here or going there, but it never really felt like the Raiders and Pierce we're ever going to part ways. Of course, the Raiders made him the permanent head coach, and I think everybody thought it was the right move. What are your expectations for him in, I guess this is his first full year, year two technically, for Pierce as he kind of integrates himself even more in the Raiders' culture and surely has his team now? He's got to win. <laughs> I mean, it's bottom line. Expectations are winning, right? I mean, it was a good story. You know, he brought a lot of energy and a lot of juice to the Raiders. Uh, he brought the identity back of the Raiders. Uh, he, he lifted the dark cloud that was on the organization with Joshua Daniels as the head coach. But all that's over now. As he said, it's over after the Giants game. And that was the first game he coached. That was the first game that he actually was the head coach. After that was all said and done, he's like, all right, the honeymoon period's over. Now it's about winning. He went five and four down the stretch, those nine games that he coached. There was a couple of games that I thought he should have won there that he didn't. He's got to learn from that. He's going to have to build this team and his, his vision, his identity, and make it happen. I mean, they've got to find ways to win the games and unfortunately for the Raiders the division's tough you got the back-to-back -back Super Bowl champs in the Chiefs you've got Denver who I think is going to get better under Sean Payton you've got Jim Harbaugh now as the Chargers head coach all he's done is win everywhere he goes and you've got Antonio Pierce and they've got a quarterback question so they've got a lot of work to do a lot of heavy lifting to do but there's no doubt about it USAP or anyone else the expectations is winning you've got to find a way now now that you're no longer the interim to take this team put your thumbprint on it and make them a winner. It's been a long, long time since the Raiders won the division. That's got to be the first goal. Yeah, certainly high expectations. And part of that, too, is just how the Raiders build their team. And are there questions also, not even with the quarterback, but just surrounding Josh Jacobs and what his future is in Las Vegas? How do you expect the Raiders to attack for agency, Q? And where do you think they should attack in terms of positions? Well, I think they're in a good position because they have a lot of cap space, and especially with the Jimmy G situation, they'll get a little bit more. Plus, more importantly, Kevin, they have cash in hand where they didn't have that before so if they want to go and get a, a big ticket free agent they can so maybe uh maybe a chris jones i mean look honestly 
Uh, I would like Matabuke uh, from the Ravens. You know all about him, but he's 26 years old. I'm sure the Ravens have plans on keeping him, right? So yeah. <laughs> I would prefer him over Chris Jones because of the age, but I think that the Raiders are in a position now where they can go and get, like I said, a Jones, maybe even look at a Snead, the cornerback from Kansas City. Look at somebody who's a big ticket that they normally wouldn't be in position to get. They've actually got a lot of talent on the team. They've just got to fill a couple of holes. Uh, I would look at offensive line. I think that they really need to address the offensive line. But the problem is, as I was looking at the top 50 free agents, there's only like two of them that are offensive line. Those are tackles. One's Trent Brown. The Raiders have been there, done that. Don't want to do that again. And the other one was Tyron Smith, and he's old as dirt. So I don't think that you go that direction. Uh, you know, maybe a couple guards they'll go after. But there's certain areas. I think the trenches, like a defensive tackle, like I mentioned, if they could find a high-quality offensive tackle, uh, to be that right tackle, I'd go and, and, and try to get him in that position. Maybe you dip into the draft for that guy. And uh, like I said, if you can snatch a luxurious Sneed, if, if possible, uh, from the Chiefs, uh, big-time cornerback, played really well this past season, I would do that as well. Not all the guys, but, you know, one or two that I think that they're in position to get this offseason. Interesting what the Raiders will do this offseason, especially a quarterback. And for more on Q's work, check them out over at Locked On Raiders, part of Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Rounding out the show, coming up in the final part here, we'll talk with Daniel Wade of Locked On Charges about Jim Harbaugh and that Los Angeles team. Stay tuned. Plan to talk about on Locked On NFL. First, this episode is brought to you by Game Time. And there are plenty of times we've had frustrating ticket buying experiences in my life. Sometimes I wasn't sure if the seats were good. Other times I couldn't find last minute tickets. Sometimes there are just no good deals at all. You shouldn't have to worry, though, when you're buying tickets to your next big event because Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater events near you. With current last minute deals, all in prices, use and receipt, and their best price guarantee, Game Time takes the guesswork out of buying tickets. And for me, game time is great. And again, no Ravens football games for a long time, but there are still plenty of concerts in the Baltimore area you can look at with game time. They have views from all the seats in the venue. Plus, game time is the only ticketing app that gives you a complete peace of mind with your purchase. You can see all the views from your seat before you buy, so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Plus, they're obsessed with finding ways to help you save money on your tickets. With Zone Deals, you pick the session game time fixed these for big time savings. And I guess we're going to buy tickets with game time down the game time app. Create an account and use code locked on for $20 off your first purchase. Don't spy again. Create an account. Redeem code locked on, spelled L O C K E D one for $20 off. Don't let game time's fast money tickets, lowest price guaranteed. We're back. Our final segment, Locked On Ravens. Kevin Ostriker still talking with you here again. Thanks so much for tuning in today. Making Locked On NFL your first listen each and every day. Whether you're listening in audio form, watching in video form, you can subscribe, follow along, hit that like button. It all helps out a ton on Locked On NFL. We have you covered with five days a week of NFL content. Let's now get into our final part of the show. Daniel Wade of Locked On Chargers are going to talk with us about Jim Harbaugh. It's a big fish signing for the Chargers in terms of the coaching department. We'll talk about what it means for the team now. The Los Angeles Chargers probably landed the biggest fish in the coaching pool in 2024, and that is Jim Harbaugh. And it seems like Los Angeles is pretty excited about it. Here to talk about that with me, Daniel Wade, the host of Locked On Chargers, one of them over there. And Daniel, I think that as we're kind of in the couple weeks after the Chargers made this move, I think a lot of people are excited about it among the Chargers fan base. You need to kind of talk about what kind of a monumental moment this is for the organization because I think a lot of people were kind of thinking, all right, there's no way they're going to cough up this money for a head yeah. coach. It, it's going to be the same old story, but the Chargers go out and they they land the big fish. And it is surprising because it goes against what you've seen from the Chargers in their coaching searches in years past. I mean, the last th three that they had 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 no head coaching experience before that was Norv Turner, 
Before that, it was Marty Schottenheimer, you know, maybe the most successful coach they've had since the 60s. It it was monumental on multiple fronts. Like, it, it was huge from the standpoint of you went out there and you made a splash for the fan base, right? Gave the fan base some hope after really putting them through a blender over these last few years, starting with that 27-0 game with the Jaguars and just the tumultuous fall of Brandon Staley that culminated in a 63-21 blowout that fans actually look favorably on now because the Chargers got Jim Harbaugh. That's how good that is for this fan base is the fans actually like the fact that they lost to their bitter rivals, the Raiders, 63-21, to because it put in it the domino into effect, right, that ended this chain event that ends with Jim Harbaugh being the head coach of the Chargers. You couldn't sit by and do the same thing with Justin Herbert, and at least with this Jim Harbaugh signing, you feel like you got a head coach that is worthy of the kind of quarterback that Justin Herbert is. And with that does come, you know, what expectations are for Justin Herbert moving forward, because with Jim Harbaugh, he's had a lot of success with, with a lot of quarterbacks. Whether you want to talk yeah. about what he did at Michigan with J.J. McCarthy, or you want to go back to the 49ers and Colin Kaepernick. I think this is a big move for Justin Herbert's career. And now there are going to be higher expectations on him to deliver with a coach like Jim Harbaugh. So how excited are you that Justin Herbert now gets to work with a guy engine Harbaugh that could really take his career to the next level I'm very excited for it because if you look at the Jim Harbaugh teams I mean even the Kaepernick days even the Andrew Luck days right those teams weren't known just for only winning because of who their quarterback was which for the Chargers that's been the case of Justin Herbert's entire career if they win it's because Justin Herbert's doing crazy things and playing Superman and putting the team on his back a lot of times because he's had one of the worst defenses in the league and he's had one of the worst offensive lines in the league since he came in so it's exciting knowing that he will have help because with Jim Harbaugh comes an identity. And that's something they've been sorely lacking over the last few years. Because if you're talking about a Jim Harbaugh team, it's a hard nose, physical sound defense. All of those things are part of the Jim Harbaugh effect. So thinking of giving Justin Herbert a chance to, you know, not have to do everything by himself. And also just giving him a coach where you go into Sundays and you're going into a vision with Andy Reid and Sean Payton. And you go into that game knowing there's not a Grand Canyon size kind of hole in between the your coach and their coach, right? Because that's what it seemed like over the last few years. That you were going into all of these matchups in key games with a huge disadvantage in the coaching department. So I think for Justin Herbert... To have someone like Jim Harbaugh, not only a former quarterback, but a proven winner and someone that's willing to push the right buttons with Justin Herbert, because I think Jim Harbaugh is a straight shooter. He's going to tell it exactly like it is. And I'm hoping that he can push the right buttons for Justin Herbert and put the support around him to actually, as he put it, right? Uh, my job is to show everyone how good Justin Herbert is because him just being good hasn't been good enough before. Right. And with that and the system that Justin Herbert's going to be running is that of Greg Roman who comes over after a year off after being the Ravens offensive coordinator. And in terms of how Jim Harbaugh's built his staff, Daniel, how do you like it? Because you have Roman, Jesse Mendes, yeah. the defensive coordinator, Joe Hortiz is the gentleman. So a lot of Ravens connections there, but look, when your brother's John Harbaugh, of course you're going to, you're going to have some of those connections yeah. there. Plus the Michigan one as well. Are you happy with how Harbaugh has filled out this staff? As a whole, absolutely. I mean, he came in and he said he was going to put an all-star staff together, and I think he's delivered on that for the most part. I think especially even when you're looking at like the strength and conditioning, right? To get Ben Herbert, the guy they got from Michigan, a legendary strength and conditioning coach, given what their issues have been with injuries and things like that in the past, and turning this team into a physical finishing fourth quarter team. And when you play, you know, 
the game about, hey, which teams do you trust late in games? The Chargers were one of the worst in the league last year. They always crumble in those moments. So to get someone even like a Ben Herbert, right, to turn this into a physical team, because you can't just flip a switch, I thought was great. But as far as the rest of the staff goes, it's very interesting to see what they did, because offensively, they went with a ton of experience and a ton of people that either know how Jim Harbaugh likes to play offensively or how the Ravens were playing offensively under their new offensive coordinator, Greg Roman. So a ton of experience on that side. Defensively, they went with almost the exact opposite approach where they're almost all collegiate coaches coming to the NFL level. And it's nice because you've actually seen what Jesse Minter's defense kind of looks like because he took over the Mike McDonald defense while he was at Michigan and put his own spin on it. So it's nice that the groundwork has been laid there where you saw someone go from the Ravens to Michigan back to the NFL and have the kind of success that Mike McDonald just had, right? You've actually seen that come to fruition. So even though there's a less experience on the defensive side of the ball, much younger, much more college experience, you're at least getting almost pretty much their entire defensive staff to come in and install this new defense. And with Brandon Staley, one of the things his first year, he had almost no one from the Rams. He had no one on the defensive side from the Rams. No one that could help him in you know put this new system in to install this new scheme he went with a bunch of different guys from a bunch of different backgrounds and it never clicked for them defensively so to get that kind of cohesion i think is great on the defensive side even if you're uh, you know sacrificing some experience and i think as far as greg roman goes greg roman is just the guy that's going to be putting in jim harbaugh's offense jim harbaugh's offense probably won't look the same as what john harbaugh's offense did with greg roman and um, immediately i was a little bit hesitant to give my full endorsement to Greg Roman. I'd say I'm still there a little bit, but part of the Jim Harbaugh experience was getting out of the way and letting him build this team in his image. And I think when you have someone, a proven winner like Jim Harbaugh with that pedigree, you kind of have to get out of the way and let it work itself out. A lot of big moves to the Chargers ahead this offseason. And for more on Daniel, check him out over at the Lockdown Chargers podcast, part of Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. That's all I have you here today on Locked on NFL. Thanks so much for tuning in. Coming up tomorrow, more NFL content with your Tuesday host. So be sure to stay tuned for that. We'll see you right back here tomorrow on Locked on NFL.